So the psukim that we deal with today are from uh, Parashas Bahar with the the uh, year, the Yovel year. Um, you count seven seven years, seven times, and then on the at the end of the forty ninth year we call it a, a Yovel. You blow a shofar on the tenth, uh, on the tenth day of the seventh month. That's Tishrei. It's Yom Kippur. Taviru shofar b'choratzachem. So Yom Kippur of the of the Yovel year, we blow the shofar. Vikidashte meshnat achem rishim shana, and you mekadesh this fiftieth year. Ukaratem dror ba'eretz lechol yoshva, and you'll call it freedom. Dror, as we'll see in the Rishonim, is freedom of movement. Yovel hitiyeh lachem. It's a yovel. See what the word yovel means. Veshavtem ish elachuzato veel ish veish el mishpachto teshevu tashuvu. And each field, every property will go back to its original owner, and every man will go back to his original family. Yovel hishnata chamishim shanatiyeh lachem lo tizru v'lo tikturut v'chel lo tikturut nizra. In addition to that, all the shmitah laws also apply to yovel. So on the Yovel year, you've actually got two, two consecutive years of Shemitah. Um, so who seems to be the primary beneficiary of the, of the Yovel? Who gets the most, the most benefit from the Yovel? It would seem to be clearly the original owners of the fields and the, and the slaves are the people who get the, the slaves get their freedom, the original owners get their fields back, everybody's happy. That would, they would seem to be the, the main beneficiaries of, of, of the Yovel. But we'll learn, we'll, if we understand the Gomorrah deeply, we'll see that that isn't so. That they are not the main beneficiaries of the Yovel. There's another secret in the Yovel. Omer Rabbi Yishmuel, Benoish Rabbi Yochanan, Ben Broiko. So there's a, a brysa on Davchesam with Beis that we have, where the Gomorrah is going on to the uh, whole question, when does the Shemitah start? When is the Rosh Hashanah for, for, for Yovel? Is it Rosh Hashanah or is it Yom Kippur? Because from the Psukim there's confusion. We blow the shofar on Yom Kippur. That's, that seems to be when it starts. But it says the 50th year is Kodesh. Is it the whole 50th year? When, when does Yovel start? Shemitah, we know exactly when Shemitah starts. But when does Yovel start? Not so clear. So Rabbi Yishmol, Benosh, Rabbi Yochum, Ben Broker says, May Rosh Hashanah ad Yom HaKippurim lo ayu avadim liftarim levatem velo mishtablim laadonehem. From Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur on the Yovel year, the slaves didn't they couldn't go home, nor did, nor did they have to work. So they had this kind of intermediate time. They party. From Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, they have parties every day. Who pays for the food? They're having parties every day. Who's paying for the food? The Balabait. The Balabait has to pay for the food still. Because they're still there. It's not, they're not free yet. The Atrotein, Boroshein, and their crowns are on their head. This discussion in the, in the, in the Shonim, what that means, the Meiri says, it's a head covering. Free people cover their heads. It's interesting that in Israel they used to call the Chilonim Chofshiim, if you remember. And the Chofshi didn't cover his head. You see, in the Gemara, it's the opposite. The Chofshi, somebody who's really free, Baal Chirut, somebody who's free, covers their head. It's a sign of freedom. It's a sign of majesty. And that's why we say, Oiter Yisrael Betifarah. That's that tiferet of the head covering that, that a Jew has, that's part of his freedom. But the slaves didn't, weren't allowed to cover their heads as acts of freedom. Comes the Bezdin, blow the shofar. The slaves can go home. 
So, is it Rosh Hashanah, is it Yom Kippur? Well, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there's a kind of an intermediate period. The Ran and others make it clear that this blowing of the shofar and Yom Kippur is only for the Avodim in the fields. The laws of Shemitah, all the other years of Yovel, you can't work the field and you can't eat the fruit and all, that, all of that, that starts from Rosh Hashanah. And you, you see that also in the Psukim, that the, um, the din of Yovel in Posuk Yudalef, Yovel Hishanat HaChamishim Hishanah, is Lotizru, Velotik Tzurit Tzvichah, Velotik Tzurit Nezirah, is stated separate from the law of the blowing of the shofar. So the blowing of the shofar is specifically, there are now two sets of halachas for, for Yovel. There's a set of halacha that is dependent on the calendar. Rosh Hashanah comes, you can't, it's like Shemitah, you can't use the, the, the ground. And there's a set of halachot that's dependent on the blowing of the shofar and Yom Kippur. And those are about the fields and the, and the slaves going back to their, to their original owners or their freedom. Rashi says on Chumash that this word Yovel, is a, this year has a special name. It has a name all of, all of its own, Yovel. So it's a very special year. Nekivat Shem Lalevada, it has a name that no other year has. Uma Shema, Yovel Shema, Al Shem Tkiyat Shofar. The Tkiyat Shofar is so crucial to what Yovel is that, that it's named after that. And the Ramban explains the relationship between Tkiyat Shofar and Yovel, that there are psukim where we see the word Yovel, Shofrot Hayovlim, and Keren Hayovel, we have examples of, um, uh, of the word Keren and Shofar and Yovel all being brought together. And so we see in, the, in Rashi that this, this blowing of the Shofar is so important that the whole year is, is named after that. The Sefer Achinuch says the following. Let's look at the, at the Sefer Achinuch. Based on the Sefer HaMitzvah of the Rambam, the Sefer HaChinuch says this idea of blowing the shofar is to make the freedom public. When the Torah tells us to blow the shofar, it's to arouse our feelings. This is an emotional thing. A shofar is to arouse feelings. So what's this going to do with anything? Letting a slave go after he's worked for you for many years is one of the hardest things for a person to do. To let a slave go. So to encourage people and inspire people and uplift them, we blow the shofar and, to, and we show them that way by doing it on Yom Kippur when everybody's in shul, that everybody's going through this. You're not going through this alone. We're all having to give our slaves up. It's not easy for any of us, but this is what we do. Doing something in Rabim strengthens the heart of, of people more than anything else. Doing something together. It's another, we talked yesterday at the Shalashlist about some of the things that get lost when we, when we do things digitally and electronically instead of physically. And we talked about coming to a shir. Coming to a shir is, is a, is a Maisa Harabim. You come to a shir early in the morning and you see a lot of other people are there too. It's Machazik. You're not alone in this. You're doing this together. You sit at home and you turn on your computer or you put the, yeah, the, the earphones into your ear. You listen to a shir. You're on your own. Yeah, you understand that the other people, but it's not the same as doing something communally. Coming to a community, coming to a shul, participating, learning together. It, it uplifts it. It's, there is nothing as inspiring for people as to do it as a community rather than to do it alone.
children for the last 18 months have been deprived of the experience of education. They got the information, but they didn't have the experience. Part of the experience is this, is, is Maaseh HaRabin, doing something as a, as a community. Even the slave needs encouragement. He's already become accustomed to everything being taken care of. He doesn't have to worry about a thing. He's, everything is supplied for him. He's actually beginning to like being, a, being an Evid. It's not that easy for him to go out into freedom either. He too needs to be uplifted and encouraged, and that's what the Shofar does. And that way, everybody goes back to the Rashut of Hashem. That's what happens at the Yovel. We all go back to Hashem's mastery after being mastered beforehand by, by human beings. So what, so what do we see? If that's the case, that as, as the Ran says, that there are two sets of halachot, and the freedom of the slave is linked to Tkiat Shofar. The agricultural laws are linked to Rosh Hashanah. The freedom of the slaves is linked to Tkiat Shofar. Tkiat Shofar is on Yom Kippur. Then why does the Gemara say they're semi-free from Rosh Hashanah? They, they, they're not agricultural. If we've divided, according to the Ram, we divide this into two sets of halachot. The, the agricultural laws start from Rosh Hashanah, and the slave and the property laws start from Yom Kippur. So why this intermediate period where the slaves are half free and half not free, what, what is that for? What's going on? So it's from the fact that the Sefer Achinuch talks about the difficulty in letting slaves go free, and the difficulty of the slaves in growing free, we understand that the freeing of the slaves and the returning of the land is not meant to be transactional. Something you do. It's a mitzvah you've got to do it, so you do it. And you do it instantly, comes Rosh Hashanah, everything goes free, and, and you go back. We talked yesterday about the difference between something which is informational and something which is developmental. An experience develops a human being. A transaction doesn't experience it doesn't develop a human being. A transaction is something you do. And a mitzvah can be a transaction, and then it's not developmental. And a shir can be transactional, and then it's not developmental. And davening can be transactional, and then it's not developmental. Developmental means it contributes to the growth, to the development of the human being. That as you do these things, you're growing and growing and growing. And that's what life is. I've said before, when there's no growth, there's death. There's, there's nothing in the middle. An organism can't be static. An organism is either growing or it's dying. And it's the same with anashomas. Anashomas are either growing or they're dying. And, to, and for anashomas to be growing, we need to be in a state of development. Every day we need to be growing. And we grow through experience, and not through transactions. And if our mitzvahs are transactions, so we mekayim the mitzvah, that's fine. We get the, the check point for, for being mekayim the mitzvah. We're doing the mitzvah, but that doesn't develop ourselves as human beings, as, as neshamot. The shiluach avadim and and giving back the karka, giving back land and giving freedom to slaves is not a transaction. This is developmental. And we're giving, given 10 days to develop, to, to move, to be able to do it, to grow through the experience. Which 10 days? Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Why Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur? What are we doing Rosh Hashanah and Yom, for, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? And you'll remember my, some of my shirim in, uh, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur this year were about the importance of being able to let go. That's what Rosh Hashanah is. The Tkiah Shofar contains both sadness and victory. Shvorim Truah is a cry, a sob, and Tkiah is a victory. 
when you let something go, there's both of those feelings. When you let something go, there's sadness, you're losing something, and there's victory, you're free, of, you, you, there's, there's a freedom in it. That freedom has these two capacities. When a child grows up and you let the child, the child leaves the home, there's sadness and there's victory. I've raised the child to be able to be free, isn't that wonderful? But the child's no longer at home, you miss the child. There's sadness, that's what the shofar is. To let go, there's victory and there's sadness. And Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur is the time of letting go. And that's the same with our property. We've got to be able to let go of property. And, and, and allow ourselves to be held by the Ribbon Shalom, not by the things we own. And you remember Rosh Hashanah, I told you, I explained to you the two ways to hold on to something. You can grip it with your fingers and you can hold it lightly on, your, on the palm of your hand. And the difference is if you're gripping it with your fingers, when you let go, it drops. When you're holding it in the palm of your hand, you, you can let go. You don't have to hold it so tightly. You can hold it lightly. And I wonder whether there isn't some connection in the, from the word kinyan to the word cane of the, the nest of a, of a bird. Because a nest holds its, its little ones and its eggs lightly. A nest is not a cage. It's light. It's open. Uh, it's delicate. It's fragile. But it holds them. And, and a kinyan needs to be a, a light holding. Our property is something we need to hold on lightly not hold on so heavily. So if we need to give to tzedakah, we can give to tzedakah. If we lose some of it or all of it, it's okay, we lose it. And we can even give it away. Comes the 50th year, we can actually give it away. Giving away slaves and property would be like giving away your business. You've spent 50 years building a business and comes Shigyovil and the Torah says, okay, give it up, give it up, give it. It's not yours anymore. Start again. That's how we have to, we have to be able to do that. And, and nowadays we don't have the oval, so we don't have the opportunity to practice this once in a lifetime. So we've got to make sure that we practice it as we learn the sugyas, like we're learning it today, to be able to take these ideas and actually relate to them and, and, and spend a little bit of time reflecting on the things we own, the kinyanim that we have, the things we own. Are we gripping onto them or are we holding them lightly? And we understand that we have a relationship with them and a relationship of ownership, but that relationship is temporary. It's not a permanent relationship. And that really our well-being is in the hands of Hashem, not the result of the things that we own.